Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Oheb Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week, we read Parsha Vayikra. We start a new book, Leviticus, which, um, much perhaps to your pleasure, perhaps to your boredom, perhaps to your slight grossness, deals a lot with the laws of the sacrifices. And in this Parsha, specifically in the opening, we're introduced to the different the different categories of people and the different kinds of situations that might warrant a sacrifice. And as scholars have noted, it's not always necessarily organized um, as logically or as coherently as possible. And that the Torah also presents us a number of different styles of korbanot. Some of the sacrifices, some are consumed entirely, some are shared with the Kohanim, with the priests, etc. And I find this Parsha really interesting because a lot, the, the beginning deals with um, korbanot that would be offered perhaps voluntarily or in different circumstances. And then we transition to talking about sin, specifically the chatat and the asham. And there are a lot of different circumstances that are enumerated for when one might bring an offering of this type. There is if the leader commits a sin, if the people commit a sin, um, if someone does something more outright like violating an oath, but then there's also a lot of unintentional stuff. And it's all just kind of it seems like it's smushed together um, into to a series of situations in which there are a variety of different kinds of sins that one can commit. And here are the different rules for when you bring a sacrifice. Now, it really, I think this, this, uh, this ambiguity of here's when the sins, what kind of sins when they happen, really culminates, I think, <laughs> gets the most extreme in chapter five towards the end of the Parsha, um, Sukkim 17 to 18. Now the pasuk says the inefesh ki techeta the asta achat mi komitzvot Hashem asher lo taasena the lo yada the ashem benasa avono. When a person, without knowing it, sins in regard to any of the Lord's commandments about things not to be done, and then realizes his guilt, he shall be subject to punishment. And then the Torah tells us in the next pasuk, here's what he'll bring the ram without blemish from the flock or the equivalent as an asham is a guilt offering. Then the priest shall make expiation on his behalf for the error that he committed unwittingly and he shall be forgiven. So let's take a step back. This is very overwhelming. A person sins without knowing it by accidentally doing something that God has said you should not do it, later realizes it, and then has to bring this this um, this is subject to punishment, right? There's a mix here of the language that's used to refer to guilt um, as a status, and then guilt is referred to the korbanot. And then so you bring your animal to the priest and the Kohen will make expiation on their behalf, the nislach lo, and he shall be forgiven. So if I do something accidentally, if I do something unintentionally, I don't even know that I've done it. Now what these verses are telling me is I am guilty before God. And I hope I'm going to realize it because that way I can bring a korban, I can bring a sacrifice to the temple and have the, the priest have me be forgiven, 
Right. So now that's that's very intense. Right. I, I think that might leave us living with a lot of fear of saying, oh, no, even if I've committed something by total accident, I've done something wrong. Right. And nowadays, if we realize we did something, uh, commit a sin totally by accident, we do our very best to rectify it. And if it's something that can't really be rectified, you take, you pause for a minute, you say, okay, I shouldn't have done that. Here's maybe how I was careless in, in doing this wrong thing, right? Let's say, I don't know, there are no other cars around and for some reason you run a red light, right? There's no consequences to this, but you say, oh no, I can't believe I just did that. Next time I need to make sure I'm paying more attention, whatever it is. And then, okay, you, you do your best to not feel guilty and you move on. Um, here, there's this idea that you're still guilty and need to be forgiven. Now, some academics say that this is a way of making sure that the Kohanim had enough to eat because the Kohanim, there are some sacrifices like the Ola that they don't partake in at all, but the ones like the Chata and the Asham, um, the sin offerings, they actually do get to consume part of it. And so if we expand the category of sins, we're ensuring that the Kohanim have enough to eat. Now, that might be a practical explanation, I don't know, but it's certainly not terribly poetic. And so when considering the emotional state that this creates in us, I wanted to look at this. Rashi cites a big midrash, <clears throat> excuse me, from the Torah Kohanim. And he's not the only one who cites other cited it well, as well. And I think it's a really beautiful midrash. I wanted to just share it. Um, so commenting on the the idea that the person committed the sin unknowingly, right? right? They didn't even realize what they were doing. So Rabbi Yossi, well, first Rabbi Yossi Aglili says, um, if the text is going to punish someone who didn't know, all the more so we're going to punish someone who did know, right? Which is a good uh, a good thing to state, right? And we're talking about people who don't even realize it. And so what if someone sins with realizing it? They're going to get punished so much worse. So um, first then Rabbi Yossi speaks and he gives his own um, insight into this. And he says, if you want to know what the merit is of what Sadiqim get, look at Adam HaRishon. Adam HaRishon had one commandment of something not to do. Don't eat from that tree. And that's, he did, of course, as we know. And look at how that carried through to the other generations. Right, it got us all a generations long, a humanity long curse of having to work the ground, etc. So that's a good point. But then we turn to speaking about goodness and good things, and then we see says, so how what happens if someone does something good, and then someone does something bad? Right, how do these balance each other out? Right, Adam Marishan is an example of someone who only was told something not to do, he failed. And that led to disaster. But what happens if we introduce a category that Adam Marishon didn't have, which is there are good things to do also? He says, Rabbi Yossi says, that if you're given opportunities to merit from not doing good things, that will, that will outweigh the sins. Meaning, if I have an opportunity um, to do good stuff and I do it, don't worry, that will start to tip the scales away from worrying about the bad thing that I did. Okay, that's the first opinion. Rabbi Akiva then takes it another step further. And he says, he asks the question of, why does the Torah say that if there, if there are um, plotting witnesses, whether there were two or three, he says, we know that you only need two witnesses in order to have something, uh, a case be adjudicated. So why, do we, why does the Torah say three? To teach that if someone joins with those two, 
it's like they committed the sin, right? Even if the third person wasn't technically needed in order um, to, to, to indict this person incorrectly or what have you, um, that pers- the fact that the person joined with them is as bad, it's like they committed that sin. And he says, but don't worry, all the more so, you get merit, you get reward if you participate in a mitzvah, right? If you do a good thing. So even, um, you know, of course I get merit if I do a good thing, but also even if I'm just participating in doing something good, I just help someone else, right? I involve myself in good causes, then I will get merit. So you can see these rabbis are sort of engaged in a progression of trying to explore. There's a lot of negativity here. What about the positivity? Right. What? How do we start to tip those scales so that we aren't just living um, with fear of negativity and always walking around being guilty? And then Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria is the third person who speaks in this midrash, and he says something really, really beautiful. Looking at the commandments around leket shichacha and peya, the laws that govern um, had the the agricultural laws for field owners around the time of the harvest. Uh, saying that in the one he's looking at specifically is that shichacha, right? When you're harvesting your field and you forget some in the field, right? You're harvesting a whole bunch and you, 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 the, the word, the Hebrew word is v'shachachta, omer basadeh, right? You forget some in the, when you're, when you're going to haul your cart or whatever to, to bring it to the storehouses, you forget a little bit in the field and the rule is you can't go back and get it. You have to leave that for the poor people. And so he uses this to say, ah, this shows us a model that now the Torah has given us a category of someone, of someone who can someone who can commit a mitzvah, meaning a good deed without even knowing it, right? Because that's the whole point here. How am I providing for the poor? Because I forgot something behind, right? I, it'd be modern day equivalent of, I don't know, dropping a $20 bill on the ground and then someone who's really in need takes it. You don't even realize you did anything. But Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah says, the Torah here is introducing us a very important category. This is someone, you've now done a mitzvah. Even though you have no conscious awareness of it, you have done a mitzvah. And I think that that is a really profound, interesting way of understanding these verses. It may not be anything radical to us to know that Judaism, Jewish thought, tries to emphasize more doing good deeds than bad deeds, right? We, we try not to be a religion that we cultivate that adherence, um, fealty is based on fear of sin, right? We really try to encourage people to be good people. So this might not be such a chiddush for you, right? But I think what's amazing here is that this is what Rashi chooses to cite. This is what Rashi is going to tell us when commenting on the sacrifice that one has to give when they commit a sin without having any awareness of the fact that they did it. We are not then diving in and saying, we live in in a world, we live in a religion where you constantly have to live with that fear that I've always done something wrong. Because we know that that, that's not really, I don't think that really creates a healthy religion. And it also really doesn't create healthy individuals. We can't live with that kind of anxiety as always walking around thinking we've done something wrong. That's a terrible way to live. That doesn't create a thriving community and thriving people. So instead, he chooses to quote a Midrash that takes this and begins to flip it on its head. And through a beautiful series of quotes from different rabbis, of teachings from different rabbis, gets us to the point where 
we're walking around knowing, okay, maybe, you know, if we do screw up, we do, and we realize that we bring, you know, we have to bring a cord bump, but also we're walking around knowing that we're all accidentally doing mitzvahs at the same time, right? Just as much as we're accidentally sinning, we're also doing good things for other people as well. And in that way, we're hopefully balancing out our skills, so to speak. But also, we're really just cultivating a world in which we're focusing on the good things as well and seeing the world not as an opportunity um, to, to run and to live in fear, but really as an opportunity um, for good deeds, for, for feeling embraced, for feeling like we're growing as people. And uh, that's really, it's really an amazing thing. And I think something that is really, really special um, and appropriate for us to remember for ourselves, and as we, we read this week's Parsha, as we live in a world that makes us you know, feel scared and more scared and more scared sometimes that we all carry with us just by virtue of being human, the power to constantly be, be doing good things around us as well. Shabbat Shalom.